Welcome to the Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast with Michael Lafito, where top luxury agents reveal their best practices, plus interviews with real estate industry influencers, thought leaders, and luxury marketing experts. You'll come away from each episode with new strategies and tactics to dominate high-end homes in any market. And now for the latest episode of Luxury Listing Specialist. Here's your host, luxury real estate expert, coach, and trainer, Michael Lafito. Welcome back to another episode of the Luxury Listing Specialist podcast. I'm your host, Michael Lafito. You are listening to the right podcast if you're a broker, uh, a manager, a individual agent, a team leader that's looking to work smarter, not harder. You're looking to increase your average sale price, and you're looking to sell more high-end and luxury properties, whether that be on the buy side or the list side. Of course, the name of the podcast is Luxury Listing Specialist Podcast, but we cheerfully work with high-end buyers as well. Again, before we go into today's show, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you have any questions whatsoever, please shoot us an email, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com, michael at marketingluxurygroup. And if you have any topics that you'd like us to cover, please make an email with a suggestion. And last but not least, just like you as an agent, don't be afraid to ask for the referral. I'm not afraid to ask for the review. Please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you read our book, Luxury Listing Specials, please leave us a review on Amazon. All right, this next guest I'm really excited about. Uh, I recommend a luxury conference. I've mentioned it before on previous podcasts. It's the uh, Luxury Connect, which is the Inman Conference. It's in Beverly Hills every October. Uh, You should circle the date on that. If there's one luxury event you go to a year, uh, that definitely should be one of them, if not the event. And I share that with you because... Uh, the next guest um, is based in the Chicagoland market, as am I, and she does an amazing job. And she recently uh, opened up uh, her own, um, not her own office, but an Angle and Volker's office here in the Chicagoland market. But, um, but Jennifer Ames did such a great job. She was on a panel, and she talked about the SALT tax, or SALT stands for state and local tax. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about how that, that tax cap of $10,000 has affected, uh, you know, her business as well as her take on salt and how it's affected, you know, some of these markets where high-end and difficult properties aren't selling quickly. So uh, without further ado, Jennifer, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. And um, so you've been licensed, uh, how many years have you been an agent? Almost 26. Almost 26 years. And um are you individual or do you have a small team? I have a small team and uh, found that that's the best way to leverage my time and my skill. That's great. And, and teams aren't for everybody, but, uh, you know, they do require just like a manager of an organization, you know, it does require some additional time and energy and, and love and support. But if you're a good leader, being a team leader is uh, is something you should consider. So, Jennifer, talk to me a little bit about SALT and and uh, you know you you were on this panel and uh, I believe the panel was there was an agent from Beverly Hills and somebody from New York and and you were the Chicago representative and they were just talking about luxury and and where do you think it's going in 2020 and some reasons why and um, I that's what I recall the sure the, the, and so talk so, to me a little bit about um, you know salt and 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 what you shared at the Inman 
event. Absolutely. Thank you. So what's interesting with that conference uh, is that we served on a panel that was luxury real estate from coast to coast. And each of the three of us noted that we saw a change in our business. And it's, it, it's interesting because the change varied, uh, seemed drastic for each panelist, but in fact, it varied quite a bit. For example, the agent who spoke from California said, you know, my goodness, the luxury market's going, you know, to a hell in a handbasket because buyers are actually having mortgage contingencies. And I laughed and said, my goodness, I wish that that was my worst problem. <laughs> you know, that my luxury uh, buyers were coming in with mortgage contingencies. The fact is that the salt tax has affected high-end property across the country. And uh, it, it's not, I'll go through and explain kind of what the implications are, but at the bottom line is that it's about consumer confidence. So if people feel like they have less, they're going to spend less. And some people say, well, salt tax only affects the wealthy, you know, only affects people who earn over $100,000 in the high-tax states like Illinois or New York. But the fact is that it affects everyone because if somebody – but somebody doesn't feel like they can afford this year what they could afford previously, they're going to cut back their housekeeper's hours or their number of times they're going to go to a restaurant or how much they're going to donate to charity or they might not reupholster their furniture. It, it affects the whole economy when people feel like the cost of home ownership has gone up. And with the salt tax, that's exactly what's happened. So, I can take myself as an example. I built a house when I was pregnant with my twins. It was a house we intended to grow into. In Chicago, taxes are quite high relative to the country, but my taxes were about $28,000. I also had a mortgage when I bought my house so that I was able, before the law changed, to deduct the $28,000 I paid in property taxes and I was able to deduct the interest on my mortgage. That was a benefit that helped me to be able to afford the house that I built. After the salt tax, between the two, I can only deduct 10000 And by the way, there's a problem in the way that it's structured because if I'm married, which I am, I don't get, we don't each get to deduct 10000 So a single person or a couple only get that ten thousand. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. You don't get a double benefit when right. there's two people, okay. even though they're two income earners. And theoretically, two people together might have a bigger house or have a family, and 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 so it becomes, in a way, salt tax is discriminatory against couples because there's no accommodation for that. But that that's kind of a tangent. So going back to my situation. I had to earn more after-tax dollars to be able to pay the same amount that I paid before. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we've got a different problem in Illinois, which is that the state ran into some issues with not funding pension funds, so my taxes actually went from 28000 to over 50000 And so, again, it's like, 
this huge increased amount, which when you start calculating 50000 in after-tax dollars, plus I still have my mortgage payments, suddenly my cost to own my home in a form of a monthly payment went up substantially in a short period of time, like overnight. Now, I'm going to sell my house because of that, and I'm going to get a smaller house. And that that is symptomatic of the response that a lot of people around the country are feeling, which is that I I love the idea of homeownership, but not if I have to work so hard to be able to afford my home. And the kinds of people who have these, you know, that the the legislature might say, well, they're wealthy and they don't, you know, they can afford to pay this higher tax, which is essentially what it is. They didn't raise the tax. They just, you have to earn more money to afford it. By by doing that, they don't understand that, you know, in my example, again, I have private school tuitions. You know, I do give back to charity. I have other things. And when people feel like they're not able to do it, they're stretching, they will do less. And it, and it trickles down and affects the entire economy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you brought up a good point. So, A, the cap of $10,000, uh, it's not per individual, it's per, you know, household, household. a married couple. Um, and there, I've heard some talk uh, recently that um, they're looking at um, pausing, for lack of a better term, the, the cap, uh, the salt tax cap. Uh, have you heard anything like that? Yes. Um, it's not. So what happened is the house realized that it was starting to be injuring the economy and actually just right before Christmas approved uh, rolling it back. The problem is that it's got to go to the Senate and the way that our House and Senate are divided along um, party lines, it's not expected to pass. So uh, while there was a you know an effort made on the one side, I think we're is extremely unlikely that we're going to see relief. Um, and I want to mention one other very important thing, which is that this tax affects certain states much more than others. You look at, um, you know, cities, again, like Chicago, New York, San Francisco, um, where people are already paying much more. The cost of living here is much higher than if I lived in, you know, Iowa or Michigan or Nevada or wherever. And so for for people who have lower property taxes, they're not going to suffer with that $10,000 cap in the same way that than places like Chicago. So the result is that there's a flight out of the cities. People are actually saying, gosh, maybe I should live somewhere that's already lower taxes, especially now that I have to earn more because I'm paying my taxes, you know, my, these taxes, I don't get any deductions after that 10,000. So Mm -hmm. again, it's like, it's like a double punch in the face and um, it's a problem. It's, I mean, the, we're seeing here more people leaving than coming uh, because of the local problem, which is the increase in property taxes, combined with the overall fiscal issue that we've got, you know, that, that it costs more to pay those same taxes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, those are all factors, right? So, you know, part of the reason I wanted to have you on today, Jennifer, or have Jennifer on the show is you as an agent, no matter where you're at in the world, you know, you need to know where the market is. But just like a soccer ball, if you coach soccer, don't go where the ball is, go to where it's going. You need to know where the market's going, what, what, what's trending. You have to have that 10,000-foot view, not just at the local level, but also what else is going on, you know, across uh, the, the countries with governments and taxes and, mm-hmm. and uh, migration patterns, who's coming in or who's not coming in, like, you know, international buyers are being taxed more in certain parts of the world. And you really have to have your finger on multiple markets and multiple, you know, pulses, so to speak, because... The facts are if you're sitting across the table on a potential listing and you're meeting with the seller and they're asking you about the market, and, and in this case, maybe it's a high-end or luxury property, you need to be able to articulate to them you know, the, the downward pressure, the factors that are holding prices down or perhaps increasing days on the market. And I like to keep it really simple. You're either in a buyer's market, a seller's market, or a neutral market. And in most marketplaces in your market, Jennifer, uh, for that million and a half dollar plus price point in the suburbs, it might be even a million dollars. It's what you consider a buyer's market. There's downward pressure. There's months, uh, you know, above, if not years of inventory. I'm selling a property right now in a northwest Chicago suburb. It's two and a half million dollars. We're supposed to close next week, but I share that with you from the standpoint of. There's six years of inventory, six Mm -hmm. years. Anything above seven months of inventory, we call that a buyer's market. There's six years of inventory. So if you do get a showing and if you do get an offer, managing your clients, in this case I represent the seller, managing the client's expectation throughout the process is important. And being able to articulate salt and how salt has affected and will continue to affect Real estate is really important. I'm I'm good friends with a a, a licensed appraiser in Illinois, Jennifer, and he does a lot of the high-end appraisals or some of these big new construction, uh, you know, loans that these banks send out out appraisers, and he does a a lot of times the appraisals for these. And he references SALT as well uh, being uh, a big downward pressure in in our market, the Chicagoland market. Absolutely. We're... We're really seeing a shift uh, with lengthening market times, you know, oversupply, and it's a, it's the perfect storm. It's a combination of factors, and this is this is a really significant one for sure. Um, another one is that you've got kind of two generations that are downsizing at the same time. You've got people in their 50s and 60s who are downsizing earlier than they used to. Uh, that wasn't kind of the customary age, but they're downsizing now for financial consideration. They want more flexibility, um, you know, lifestyle. And then you've got their parents downsizing. So, and I, you know, I don't mean to go back to myself, but we just did this. We just moved my parents into a smaller uh, home in the same year that I'm intending to do that with myself. So you've got two generations of downsizing at the same time. And the younger move-up buyers are not stepping in and buying these larger homes. So the direction that we see of the younger buyers is to buy below their means. They don't want to be um, obligated to sort of work to pay the bills. They saw what happened to their parents during the recession. 
which wasn't that many years ago. And they're being very, very cautious to buy, you know, below their means. So you have, as I said, the perfect storm. Sometimes sellers say, well, wait, stock market's great. Interest rates are low. This is an incredible time. You know, everything should be selling. My house should sell today for top dollar. And they don't understand the importance that buyers place on how they feel and on the lifestyle. And salt is is sort of a toxin. It is causing them to not feel good. They don't feel like they can afford their house anymore. They don't feel like they can afford their lifestyle. And in fact, it's causing people to not just sell their homes and downsize, but to go into rentals instead of buying. And the long-term implications of that for our economy are frightening. Hey there, it's Michael Lafito. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. If you are interested in signing up for our luxury listing specialist certification, or if you want additional information on how you can dominate selling higher-end homes in your marketplace, make sure you go to luxurylistingspecialist.com. Some really good information there, and uh, you you brought brought up use the term the perfect storm. So, uh, in your prediction of 2020, you know, especially with high end and luxury, um, I, I take it you're you're not seeing it turning in, into a seller's market. You're seeing uh, neutral, if, if anything, best case scenario neutral, but probably going to be a buyer's market in that price point. Uh, what we're predicting is a buyer's market. There is a variety of um, types of homes on the market. The newer it is, the you know, the more it feels like it's turnkey and aligns with the taste of today's younger buyers, the more likely it will sell quicker and for a better price. We're seeing a widening gap between new construction or nearly new construction and resale or used homes because the younger kind of moving up buyers really don't want anything that felt like their parents or grandparents lived there. They they don't want to do work because it takes time. They don't want to invest time because they want to keep their options open. So they're looking for, you know, the shiny new object, the turnkey, ready to go. And that puts a lot of pressure on the people, especially the longtime homeowners, to get their homes ready to sell and even when they do that much work, when the homeowner, I mean, the potential buyer sees on the listing that it was built in, you know, in our market in 91 or 89 or something like that, they're going to say, oh, my gosh, you know, too old for me. And I'm mm-hmm. looking, you know, mm-hmm. the buyers today really want homes that are, you know, max like five years, which is, which is a, another part of that perfect storm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Something that's 10 years old is considered dated and old and to, to many consumers today, especially in, the, in that high-end luxury space. Uh, and in some markets, some markets are landlocked, right? So they have to infill. They have to tear down properties to build new homes. And, and so, again, there's that, that never-ending cycle. So every market's different. We talked about SALT, which stands for state and local tax, and how, you know, People feel like, A, they have less write-offs, and so, B, they're, they're being handcuffed into, you know, they're pigeonholed, so to speak, into what they can afford or remain to, to stay in certain homes. And it's not just a luxury. I was selling a home in a uh, basically a average price point neighborhood, 
and the property taxes were, this was a $380,000 home in the western suburbs of Chicago, a town, a town called South Elgin. And the taxes were over $15,000, Jennifer. I mean, this is $15,000, you know. And, and again, why are the taxes so high? Well, I don't have the exact percent, but, you know, r- roughly 70% of, of property taxes aren't just based on home values. No, 70% are based on municipalities, teachers, pensions, police, yeah. fire, Forest Preserve. All, if you ever look at your tax bill, it'll tell you, you know, wh- where your money's going. And unfortunately, in states like Illinois, where the pensions weren't funded, you know, there's so much debt that that's not going to be going down anytime. So even though home values might go down, you're seeing the property ta- taxes escalate. And now with the salt tax cap at ten grand and the property taxes increasing, that's the unfortunately perfect disaster and not even a storm it's a tornado yeah no and and so going back to our role as professionals we have to be able to sit in people's living rooms look them in the eye and give them you know clear honest advice about what we're seeing and i you know sometimes i'll joke and say i'm not here you know to give you rainbows rainbows and unicorns i'm here to tell you the truth and you're not going to like it. So let's just get over that now because the reality is it's rough out there. And if you're going to sell your home in this kind of market, you have to rip off the bandaid. You have to, you know, face the current situation and you have to really be smart about the timing, the pricing, the staging, all the things you need to get to do. And it doesn't matter what your neighbor sold their house for a few years ago, it doesn't matter how much money you put into your house. If your taxes increased substantially, that actually caused your home value to diminish. And it's not its not fair. It doesn't feel right because it's like, wait, you know, you didn't cause it to happen. But I had clients where they sold for a third less than they paid because their taxes had gotten so high that the number of people could afford it shrunk to a very small pool and that brought the value down. Yeah, absolutely, especially in, in these price points where it's probably not going to be a cash buyer. You're you're absolutely right because their debt to income ratios, these loan loan officers, right? They're they're looking at ratios based on what they bring in and what their what their debts are, right? And so if the property taxes substantially go up, that brings down their debt to income yeah. ratio, and the, the amount of home they can afford, you know, is, is small. Goes down. There's a lower price point. Yeah, yep. Goes down. Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So on the buy side, we have to be really careful with our clients to make sure that they're speaking to a lender and getting pre-approved ahead. And we have to look not just at purchase price when they're getting pre-approved, but in what community do they think they're going to buy and what, how are the taxes you know, running? Are they in this range or that range? And make sure that the lender factors that into the pre-approval because it can swing wildly. I had a townhome right here in the heart of the city listed last year and the price was around $850,000 and those taxes went up to 18,000 and from what to what I, oh oh they were probably like 10 or 11 initially sure. uh but 
But if you think about somebody who can afford to buy a home, you know, $850,000 is a lot of money uh, to begin with. But if you layer on top of that 18000 that's $1,500 a month. No. Yeah, $1,500 a month in taxes if I did my math right. And yeah. that's a lot of money. And sometimes people say, well, again, I could rent and still come out ahead financially, which, you know, that's not good for the economy because when people buy, they put down roots in the neighborhood. They improve, you know, they commit to schools, they patronize the restaurants. When people rent, they have a more transient mindset and they don't invest back in the community. So the chain reaction of creating a culture of renters instead of people, you know, who who want to put down roots is is a concern. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is a concern. You brought up a couple points um, that I want to talk about. Um, num- number one is the um, well, you, you talked about how the, the taxes went up substantially. So, uh, with the, your one client, and again, if somebody is getting a mortgage, how it affects their buying power. But on the flip side, even if somebody is a cash buyer. Uh, it affects it. So I was selling a home in Highland Park, um, Illinois, and it was a five and a half million dollar listing. I represented the seller, and the property taxes were 123,000. And when the salt tax cap came out, we had a buyer that was interested. I didn't represent them, and they came back three times, Jennifer, and brought their architect. They were going to put this huge addition on for the guy's 50 million dollar artwork collection, according to the buyer's agent. He wanted to put this addition on because he had $50 million artwork collection. Wow. Okay, I, I share that with you. I share that with you from the standpoint of this gentleman ended up not purchasing the property because of the salt cap. It just had been released. And I told the agent, this is a cash buyer, by the way. I told mm-hmm. the agent, wait, you told me the, the guy was interested in putting an addition on for his $50 million in artwork, and you're telling me he didn't pull the trigger because of the $123,000 in taxes? And she said, yeah, it's just the principle behind it. So so it doesn't just affect the buying power of people getting a mortgage, but people don't like burning money, period. That's why I mentioned that we're about confidence. And I've had clients who have seen their property taxes go up the six digits, and they've called me and said, Jenny, you know, we bought this home and we thought we were going to be here for 10 years, but now we think we're going to be here for five because when you take, let's just pick a round number, $100,000 in property taxes over 10 years, well, you're looking at a million dollars. And you're looking at a million dollars of, again, they're, they're dollars where there's no deduction in that except for that 100000 out if you take the 10,000 per year. So 100,000 out of a million dollars is deductible. So it really penalizes people here in places like Chicago, where there are just dramatically high property taxes. And I told someone in California, they have, what's it called? Proposition 13 or Whatever it is yeah, in California, when you yes. yeah when you own your home, they they lock your taxes into where they were when you purchased your home. And I talked to somebody who's been in their home for thirty years, and their taxes are twenty five hundred dollars. 
And when I told them that my taxes for my home had gone over $50,000, they almost fell out of their chair. Said that's the criminal. It's like, no kidding. I mean, I, it, it's, it's unfortunate because it's not something that we, most people aren't set up to have your taxes jump at that level by that magnitude in a short period of time. Yeah. And then you have this one-two punch that they they jumped, and in and you can no longer deduct them. So everything for us in Chicago, all you know, happened like a big car crash at the same time, and the consequences are you know net migration out of the market. People who can afford to leave are leaving for financial reasons, and many of them are people who said, "Never occurred to me that I'd leave Chicago." until all of this happened. And now their mindset is, you know, I'm going to go to a more tax-friendly state because between the SALT tax and the increases in local property taxes, and we didn't even get into, and maybe not relevant for your show, but, you know, in Chicago, we're talking about adding a luxury tax. And the governor is talking about increasing state income tax for earners over a certain amount. So right. we're getting hit on and all fronts. Exit tax. They're also talking about an exit tax. You leave the state of Illinois, we're going to hit you with that. So, you know, Illinois will tax the, the, the air you and I breathe if they can. Sure. You're, you're, abs- you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I'm representing a home architectural digest called the most beautiful home for sale in Illinois. It was on the TV show Empire. It's in Barrington nice. Hills for $9.5 million. And when I first been on with me for – a little over three years now. When I first listed the home, the property taxes were forty-eight thousand a year. They they jumped from forty-eight thousand in one year to one forty-six. Now he's appealed them and got them down to eighty-three, but still they they went up from forty-eight to one forty-six to now they're down to eighty-three. And uh, again, it's that that tax bill scares people. <laughs> sure. You know, an interesting thing about what you just said, which is also a problem in our market, I don't know how it works in other places, but in, in certainly in Illinois, they can change your assessed value and raise it, and then the burden is on the homeowner to, in most cases, people get an attorney, they have to file a lot of things to try to appeal them to get them down. So it's like guilty until proven innocent. You get them down. And then you pay a portion of the reduction back to the law firms. And, and you know, it's the Chicago way. A lot of the law firms are related to the legislature <laughs> who are making the decisions to raise the taxes in the first place. So, right. it's, you know, it's a, it's a minefield. But the bottom line is that it's, it's hard sometimes to appeal your taxes. And we, I had a case where somebody's, assessed value was substantially higher for purposes of the um, taxes than our asking price. I had the house on the market for $1.6 million, and I think I sold it ultimately for just under one five. and the assessor was taxing it based on $2.3 million. And it wasn't enough to take the listing and say to the assessor, well, the home isn't selling at one point so how could it be worth 2.3? And their response was, well, when it sells, then the new owner can take the 
closing uh, statement yeah. back and we'll adjust it. But in the meantime, the person who suffered is the homeowner who's selling the home. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Ugh. That's terrible. Yeah. So, you know, we could probably spend all day talking about these challenges. I think the bottom line is that people need to be aware. They need to be thoughtful about what they're doing um, when they're selling. And if they're, you know, they really have to go in knowing that they are going to have to not look at old, you know, old sales, but they have to look at what's, what's really happening today and um, be smart about it. It's, you know, the seller who says to me, I'd love you to list my home, but I'll only sell if I can get, you know, this big pie in the sky number. I'm going to say it's the wrong time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not only the wrong time to do that in, in a lot of markets, you know, we're not sure where the light at the end of the tunnel is, right? And so you mm-hmm. might be kicking the can down the road. And like you said, that Band-Aid, do you want to pull it off slowly? I'm Italian. I got hairy arms. Do you want to pull it off slowly, one hair at a time? Or do you <laughs> want to rip it off quickly and, and get rid of it and be done with it, right? And, yep. and invest your money elsewhere, opportunity cost, you know. And, you know, somebody of your magnitude didn't get here without making smart investments along the way. So let's... You know, let's put your, you know, your the, the money that you make from the sale might not be as much as you want, but unless they owe more than the house is worth, you know, let's, you know, you can, you can invest that elsewhere. So, really, mm-hmm. uh, some great valuable information. If somebody has uh, questions about some of the things you talked about, or Jennifer, as an agent in downtown Chicago with Engel and Volker, somebody's got a referral. What's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? I'd say shoot me an email. It's okay. Jennifer dot Ames A M E S at E V Real Estate dot com. So E V like Ingle Volkers Real Estate dot com and I'll get right back to you. Happy to answer any questions somebody may have and uh hopefully one of these days this salt tax will go away. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. Well, tons of value, as always. Uh, thank you, Jennifer. You didn't disappoint. And um, if anybody's got any questions about this episode, you have questions about luxury, you got a topic you want me to cover, please shoot us an email, michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. Again, we part of, we, this podcast is part of the industry syndicate, so check that out, industry syndicate. There's others in the mortgage field and real estate field. There's some really great podcasts part of the industry syndicate. Keep raising the bar in real estate. Make somebody's day. And remember, in this day and age where people talk politics all the time, somebody once asked Michael Jordan why he doesn't talk politics, and he said, because Republicans buy sneakers too. Just remember, Republicans, independents, and Democrats buy and sell a lot of homes each year. Be careful with sharing your political opinion online. You might divide half of your database. Keep raising the bar. My name is Michael Ofito. Until next time, Luxury Listing Specials Podcast, Luxury Listing Specials Designation. Take care.